We know that we are compelled by Christ to move beyond just these four walls as a church. And we want to be a church that continues to look beyond our walls with the love of Jesus to bless the socks off this community. And as a church, we feel led to be a church that is for the good of our city. Hey, welcome everybody. I'm Bill Stevens. I'm the lead pastor here at Ascent. So good to have you guys all here. Like Mo said, why not, right? For baptism, why not? If it's, if it's time for you to make that public declaration of your faith and you just want to do that in front of a bunch of other people, that's when you'd want to do it is next week. And if you don't want to jump into a hot tub and, and you're going, that's the one reason, why not? You know, we can, we'll sprinkle you. We'll sprinkle you. We'll dunk you whatever you want uh, to get baptized. That's all we care about is just that you would get baptized. So think about that this next, for this next week. Um, one other quick update before I get rolling with what we're talking about today. I got to give you a second update. I gave you one last week. I got to give you another one this week. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I sent that letter out talking about the financial situation here at the church and where we're at. Remember I told you guys that, that we're, we're finishing our fiscal year at the end of June and starting up again in July for our next, our next year. We, in, we had an intentional deficit. We budgeted to an intentional deficit last, this last year. But this next year, we can't do the same thing. We can't do that again because we're going to run out of reserves for us as a church. And so we said, we said, here's what we got to do. We got to cut about $150,000 out of the budget for this next year. That's what, I, that's what I've been sharing with you guys over the last couple of weeks. We said that comes out of two primary buckets. It comes out of the building bucket and it comes out of personnel. And we said with the building bucket, we're going to do all we can to try to, to cut as many corners as we can with our buildings as we, as we possibly could. We said, what if we just turn out, I thought about this, what if we turn out the lights on Sundays? What if we just went like this? Just, I mean, you can still see me kind of on the screens. That would save us a couple of bucks. But, but <laughs> we thought, we'll, we'll do that. That'll, that'll, that. We'll try to get about maybe 20000 out of that building. But we knew the rest of it was going to come out of personnel. And the reality is we've got a small staff for the size of our church. And each one of those people are just working so hard and doing so many great things to be for the good of our city that I'm going, man, I don't want to lose any of them. So we decided, we, Beth and I talked to our, our finance team, talked to our board, and we said, what if we brought it to our church and said, here's where the dilemma is, what can we do? And we said, you know, if, if of our giving families, if 135 of them gave 85 bucks more a month, we'd make it. And so we'd put that challenge out in front of you guys. And here's the third update. With 10 days to go, you guys, here's where we stand. 60 families have done it, and, and we're up to $108,000 more than we would have gotten last year. Which means our goal, we are within, do we throw that next? Is there another slide on there? That's it? Oh, our goal is, is $25,916. <laughs> Twenty-five thousand nine thousand and sixteen to go. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, we're just under twenty-six thousand to go. Okay, <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so, we're, you guys, I am so pumped for that number. I mean, you—this is what Ascent has been for the last ten years. You guys hear the need and you step into the need. And like I said last week, I just love it because you're saying we believe in the staff. 
You love, I love it because you're saying we believe in the vision of this church to, to truly be for the good of our cities. And, and I love it because God is doing something in you. We're gonna be talking about that actually a little bit today. There's something about when you step into something like that with generosity, that God starts to grow something within you. And that's, the, that's, that's where discipleship really comes in. And I just love that. And I know that that's happening within these seats. And, and I'm so thankful for every one of you. So let's run through the tape, you guys. Twenty-five, $26,000 more. Let's run through the tape. Let's, let's, uh, let's make this work, okay? All right, let's get into what we're talking about today. Um, we are in this series that Marie started last week around the, the letter that Paul wrote to the people in Ephesus. We're looking at this letter to the Ephesians. See, part of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they wrote about the life of Jesus. And then Acts was about what happened when Jesus had risen from the dead and ascended into heaven. And it's the beginning of the early church. And within that book of Acts is the beginning of those early churches. Paul was the one that planted a bunch of those early churches. And then he would write letters back to those churches. And so we're looking at this letter that he wrote back to the people in Ephesus. See, Paul spent some time in, in Ephesus. He went into this, this big, beautiful city that had all kinds of cultural diversity in it. And within that, there's people worshiping the, the, uh, the, the, the Roman gods and people were worshiping the Greek gods. And, and then here comes Paul with this truth of Jesus. And he's going, man, I want to start this church with this truth of Jesus. And people were started coming. And that began this early church. Now, of all the places that Paul went to, Ephesus was, was the one that he spent most of his time. He spent over three years in Ephesus. We learned that from Acts, that he spent over three years in this one city. Now, he could have spent his entire rest of his career there, but he wanted to continue to plant churches in other cities like Philippi and like Corinth and Colossae, all the other places that he did. But this one, he spent a ton of time in Ephesus with this group of people. He loved this group of people. And then years later, because he was preaching the gospel, he gets thrown into prison. And from prison, he writes this letter back to these people in Ephesus. And he's just encouraging them in this letter. And we love then reading through that. And so that's what we want to do is take on those six chapters of this letter that Paul wrote to these people. Okay. Now, in taking on that letter... We're not going to go verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Some of you are used to churches where that's the way we do it. We're going to weave our way through it, partly because there's multiple people that are teaching. And I wanted to make sure that we would, we would pick parts that you just go, where are you inspired, John, as you are doing this? Where are you inspired, Mo, as you're doing this? We're, we're talking through all of that and weaving our way through it. And so, so this, this week, I'm talking from Ephesians chapter 3, and we'll go back to Ephesians chapter 2 a little bit, okay? Marie started it in Christ. That's the whole over, overall look of Ephesians, that we are in Christ and we have to be established in Christ. But then I want to talk through some of the rest of, of, uh, of what is now chapter, what we'll look into chapter 3. We're going to look at this prayer that he prayed in chapter 3, okay? Now, this prayer is significant for me personally. This is probably my favorite passage of scripture and the one that lasted the longest from when I first really discovered the Bible in college. When I first started reading through the Bible and we're reading through different passages, we get to, I got to Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 through 19 and man, it just stuck with me. I didn't I didn't fully know what it meant 
But there was something about this prayer that Paul gave that, that, that just kept lingering with me. And Jackie, and she's in a lot of ways helping me to understand my faith as we were dating. And so, and, and it stuck with her too, to the point that when we got married, we actually used it in our wedding. Um, this, was, this is Jackie and I, when we got married, you know, it's a, I know, 30 years ago this August. And gosh, look at that young, they're, they're, we're young. We didn't know how much of a pain in the butt it would be to lead a church in 30 years. <laughs> uh, we just, in, when we, when we, when I, I look at how young we were, but also how young I was in my faith. And this is what the, the beauty of scripture, that even as young as you feel in your faith at times, scripture can still just sit right on your heart and do something powerful on your heart. And that this passage did something powerful on my heart, even though I didn't fully understand it. And as, I, as it lingered through the years, I would pray this prayer over my kids. I prayed this prayer over my wife. I prayed this prayer over my church and over our college ministry for the years that I was doing college ministry. I prayed this prayer over myself and hoping that I would understand it more and hoping that it would apply to my life more. It is a passionate, beautiful prayer that, that Paul is praying over these people that he cares so deeply for in Ephesus. Listen to the words to this prayer, okay? For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you're being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth of that love and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, in preparing this sermon, there was a part of me that wanted to go, should I just stop right there? Let it linger with you like it, like it lingered with me and just have Wit come back up with the team and sing a few more songs. I know some of you guys would like that instead. But then as I, as I dug into it more, I'm just going, there's such richness in this and I want to unpack that richness in this, okay? And so that's what we're going to do today is unpack what is so beautiful and why was Paul so stinking passionate about this prayer to the people that he loved so much. So we're going to dig into that. Now, I want to, I want to do that recognizing something. When, when we talk from, from the gospel, from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we talk from, from a Jesus' perspective as he interacted with people, I think that's easier for us to connect with. I think we can go, yeah, I can, I can hear what Jesus is saying, and, and I can relate to this person, and we can connect the dots a little bit easier. When we're talking from Paul, it's a little bit harder from his letters. Because Paul, it's more of a broad stroke of theology, and, and so it's sometimes harder for us to have a handhold on that. I want you, it means we have to do a little more work, okay? It means we have to step into this a little bit more today. C.S. Lewis said once that it's not the job of the pastor to feed his sheep. It's the job of the pastor to escort them into the field where they feed themselves. Today, I need you to feed. I need, well, let's get into the field and let's sit there and let's, let's eat together 
what God is giving to us through his word, even if for some of us it might go, ah, that's a, that's a concept that's hard to understand. Come on, let's pull together. Let's sit into this thing a little bit more and let's just figure out what does God have to say for you and me because of this. Okay, so let's pray together and we'll dig into that. God, I want to pray that you would speak to us through your word. Help us not to get so caught up in the weeds that we miss the beauty I pray that you would speak to us in all of what this, this passage is talking about and that we would ultimately continue to conclude the depth of your love that is right there for you and me. God, I pray that, that, would, that we, we would grab hold of that today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, so let's go back again to a little bit of that history. Okay, so, so Paul is writing to the people in Ephesus. He wrote to the people in Galatia and to, and to the people in Philippi. He wrote it, Galatia and Corinthians to the people in Corinth. Those churches were struggling. They had all kinds of internal turmoil. And so he's writing to a lot of those things. But in Ephesus, he wasn't. In Ephesus, he's just going, these people have caught on to hearing about the truth of Jesus but what's that now mean for them in their life? And so he he's writes this letter to encourage them. You can picture him in this prison because he, he was thrown in prison because he was just preaching the gospel. And you can picture him from this prison writing back to these people with just this, oh man, I so want you guys to know what this means and what, what we talked about for those three years. And so the letter is broken up into two parts. It's broken up into the first half of it is, is, is around just the, the truth of the gospel, the love that God has for us and the connection we have with Jesus. And then the second half is then how do we live that out? And this prayer kind of binds the two together. This chapter, chapter three prayer brings us and connects us together between those two places. Okay, so Paul, so, so here's how he does it. Here, Paul starts his letter with this. He says this, or starts this prayer with this. He says, for this reason. Now I'm gonna stop right there for this reason. We're in a Bible study here. Let's, let's, let's study this a little bit. Why does he say for this reason? For what reason is he praying this? That's what you should always ask when you're reading scripture and you read a word like therefore, or for this reason, you go, for what reason? Well, when you find that in scripture, you go back a few verses or a chapter or two so you can get the context of why he's, he's writing this. If you're in the middle of a chapter, try to go back to the beginning of the chapter. If you're at the, at the end of the chapter, read the whole chapter. Or if you're at the very beginning of it, read the chapter before it. Okay? For us, we go, we're in the middle of chapter three. So let's go back to the beginning of chapter three and figure out why he's saying for this reason. Well, you go back to the beginning of chapter three and it says for this reason. <laughs> Wait, he says it again. But look at what he says. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. Here's what happened. Paul starts saying, here's why I'm about to pray this prayer. And he says, but I'm a prisoner. And then he realizes, wait a minute. I can't have my people that read this letter read that I was a prisoner and then, then say, wait, what? why? You're in prison? If I left this church and went to New York and, and Beth started running the church and she's preaching every week and, I'm, and, I, and I hand it to her and I, I hand her a letter and I say, will you read this to everybody? And she reads and says, hey everybody, this is Bill, I'm in prison. You'd probably go, wait, what? So he spends the next 13 verses explaining why he's in prison. And then he comes back to that thought again, for this reason. Well, then that means we have to go back beyond, before chapter, one, chapter three, we got to go into chapter two. For what reason? 
And in chapter two, he gives us the reason. He says this in Ephesians 2, 2.18, he says, for through him, we have access to the Father. We have access to the Father. That was significant to Paul. Paul was looking at his people and he's going, do you realize we have access to the maker of the universe, the one that has the entire kingdom in his hands. We have access to that father. The one that knew your, the, the number of hairs on your head before you were even born, we have access to that father. Do you realize how powerful that is? For, for him as a, as a Jewish person, he's looking at it and he's going, man, I, all I ever thought was, here's all the things I have to do to get to the father. And he's going, no, because of Jesus, we have access to God. It's like he knew that they'd be coming into church and they're going, all right, here's my church experience and we just move on to something else in our day. And he's going, we have access to the Father. Because of that, I'm praying this prayer for us. And so he begins the rest of his prayer. He says, because we have access to the Father, you guys get ready because here comes the journey. Here comes the adventure. Here comes the discovery. He says, this is why I'm getting on my knees. I bow my knees before, I bow to my knees before the Father. Man, he's, do you guys know that we can speak to God through our voices? We can speak to God through our actions, but do you know that we can also speak to God through our posture? Through our posture? When we stand up to sing, when Wit and the team is leading us and we stand up to sing, it's not because the Bible told you to stand up and sing when you, when you sing. It's because we're speaking to God even through our posture, standing up and saying, God, and, but you don't have to. When you're praying, you don't have to pray with your hands clasped or your head bowed. There's no rule that says you have to do it, but we're speaking to God through our posture and if you were like me and you grew up Catholic, you know, you know that those at mass, we spoke to God through our posture. Sometimes we fell asleep doing it, but we, we spoke to God through our posture that, you know, we knew that it was, it went stand, sit, stand, sit, stand, sit, kneel, stand, sit, kneel, sit, stand. That's the, that's the mass, you know, and, and so we knew that was the way, what we did. And I went back to a mass a few years ago and I knelt down on one of the kneelers and I just thought, you know what, there's something, I missed this. Just kneeling and saying, God, you are the king, and I kneel and just submit myself to you. I thought about, should we just bring kneelers in here and just put them in every night? I thought, nah, I don't think it'd fit. So, so, but we can speak to God through our posture, and Paul is, is on his knees. You can tell this is how passionate he is about what he's about to pray. He's on his knees going, God, they have access to you. Here's my prayer for them because they have access to you. I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may strengthen in your inner being through the power, with the power through his spirit. He prays that we'd be strengthened for what he's about to pray next. Why is he praying for strength in our inner being? Because he knows how easy it is to choose indifference. He knows how easy it is to, to choose to, to stay on the side of the pool instead of jump in. He knows how easy it is to hear you have access to the Father and say, oh, okay, all right, thank you, that's no big deal. He knows that that's the, e he knows how easy it is to stay on the sideline instead of jump into the game. 
Man, I've had plenty of opportunity in my life, in, especially back in high school, to be both on the sideline and in the game. I played baseball, basketball, and football, and I had the privilege and the, and the joy of getting to be on the, on the court when we went to state and just going, this was, this was amazing. But I also know what it's like to be on the end of the bench. And let me tell you, it was easier on the end of the bench. I, I mean, I, in eighth grade football, you guys, I, was, I, I played in the fifth quarter game. Okay, that's back then we had our four quarters and all the guys played and they, we, you know, whether you won or lost, you come to the sidelines and at the end and they take their helmets off and they're sweating like crazy and fifth quarter team, come on out there. And that's us. And we go out on the field as guys that never touched the field during the game. We were the fifth quarter. They didn't keep score. They just let us play a few plays together. My mom has a video of, of me as a defensive back running up to tackle this running back coming the other direction. Now keep in mind, he's also a fifth quarter running back. He's no stud. And he comes running through. And the video is just, it's one of those old videos where we didn't have any volume or anything. The video just shows just like this. And that running back didn't even stop. But there's this kid laying on the ground. That was me, just laying on the ground. Man, I knew the bench. And I believe me, when those starters went out of the game, done at the end, and I'm out there, I'm embarrassed. I don't want nothing to do with the game. I'd rather be on a sideline. Paul is going, give them strength. I know that it's easier to be on the sideline. I know it's easier to just come in and say, no big deal. Give them strength to to fully grasp or to try to grasp the access they have to the Father because listen to what comes up next. He says this, I pray that according to the riches of the glory may grant thee, may be strengthened your inner being by the power through his spirit that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He's praying that they may, Christ would dwell in your hearts. And we gotta learn a lot more about what it means to dwell. We're so running from place to place and Jesus saying, I am dwelling in your hearts. I am, I am sitting, sitting right here, right in the very heart of who you are. In fact, that word dwell is also a word that's flood, that he floods our hearts with his love. Romans 5 says, says already we have some experience of the love of God flooding through our hearts by the Holy Spirit given to us. And he says he floods our hearts with his love at the beginning of the Ephesians letter. He's saying, do you realize, here, here's this prayer of our access to God. And he's going, do you realize first that he has access to us? Do you realize that he is flooding his heart, our hearts right now with his love? Jackie, I learned the hard way when our hot water heater exploded that, that uh, a flood goes everywhere <laughs> and the water went all through the basement. And you realize it doesn't just go here and there, but it goes to every single spot. If, if you have 30,000 baseball cards on the ground, it's going to get to all 30,000 cards. If you've got a, a collection of Sports Illustrated from 1966 to 1986, it's going to get to all of those. Those are just the, the hypothetical examples of what happens when the, the water goes through. As it turns out, a fire destroys them. Water, which is a different story. Um, I know I can throw that in. Uh, but the, it floods our hearts every part of our life. Every part. And you're going, wait, I don't want him to have access to some of the parts of my life. In 1 Peter, it says, in Peter 4.8, Peter 4, it says, love covers over a multitude, multitude of sins. And so even that flood goes to those places that we don't want it to go to. 
It doesn't come with condemnation. He doesn't flood our hearts with condemnation or judgment. He floods our hearts with his love. That's God's access to us. And that's what he's saying, man, give them strength so they don't just be indifferent to this. Help them to see that God has access to them. And then, then Christ may dwell in your heart through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. As we are being rooted and grounded in love. You guys, this was an agricultural community. And man, when they hear that rooted and grounded in love, they, they know what he's talking about. Remember what I said a couple of weeks ago? I was talking on bitterness and don't let, a bitter, don't let that bitter root um, get, get established within you. And I said that, that roots absorb and store. That's what roots do. They absorb and store what's around them. And when you have a bitter root, it, absor- it absorbs and stores that bitterness that ultimately leads to anger and frustration. And, and, and we live our life that way. So it's warning us not to let that bitter root be established. He's saying rooted and grounded in a, in a love that's flooding our hearts. That's why you can tell why he's on his knees, rooted and grounded in that love. I've got these two buckets. You wonder why the Home Depot buckets are up here. Haley's gonna come on up. You guys, Haley has been doing what she's doing for how long? Since you were how old? Seven years, Seven years you've been doing it, since middle schoolers, right? Eighth grade is when she started helping us with production. And now she comes back in college and does this for the summer. She's awesome, you guys. Haley is awesome. (laughs) Um, I got two different buckets in here. I've got nutrient-rich soil. This This is the soil that's got everything that would help a plant truly grow. It's, it, it's, it's got all the stuff in it that you need. I got a bucket here of sand and rocks that when the roots go down into here, they're try, it's trying hard to figure out what it can possibly get out of this. And all that's happening is the plant is dying and you don't even know it until you start seeing it on the outside. There's... There's this kind of soil that Jesus even does a parable on that says, man, I, I talked to you about my, my word and it just kind of bounces off the soil. There's weeds that grow into it. That's this. But there's the nutrient-rich soil that he's saying, man, Lord, I pray that their roots would grow deep into the soil of God's love. Thanks, Haley. Now I'm going to go a little horticulture on you guys. I'm going to go Phyllis Stevens on you, my mom, because it's just kind of in, in, this is in me now. This, this, the, the, I just know all about soil. Actually, I don't, but I studied a little bit for this sermon. Do you know what's in nutrient-rich soil? There's nitrogen in nutrient-rich soil. And you know what nitrogen does for the plant? It turns it green. Nitrogen in the soil, the roots soak that up and they store that. And and that's where you get green leaves. That's the green of the plant. It's coming from the nutrients of the soil. You know what else is in in nutrient-rich soil? There's phosphorus in it. And you know what phosphorus does? Phosphorus helps the roots grow deep into that soil. Phosphorus helps the plant grow strong. And so you need that nutrients, the, the phosphorus that's in it. You know what else is in here? Potassium. You know what potassium does? Potassium fights off disease in the plant. You, there's all kinds of things that will take it, try to take it, and the, and the potassium fights it off. 
You guys, not to stretch this metaphor too far, but those guys knew that nutrient-rich soil does those things. And you just think about that. Think about what he's saying to us. That our roots will go deep into the soil of God's love, deep into the soil where, God, where the nitrogen of God's love can produce a beautiful plant. Where the phosphorus of God's love will produce roots that grow deep and, and roots that, that make a plant be strong. The potassium of God's love where it will chase off the things that keep trying to kill us and, and to keep trying to, to harm us and harm our faith and chase that stuff off. That's what he's praying for. He's praying that our roots would grow deep into the soil of God's love. And from that place, what will happen? You guys, this is why I'm praying it for our church. The, the nitrogen of God's love would, would make this a place that people would, in the, for the good of our city, would go, man, there's something about that that I want to know more about. That the, the phosphorus of God's, I want us to grow deeper and deeper and our roots to grow deeper and deeper into what that, who, what that love is. And, and, I, and I want that potassium that says, I wanna, we're going to fight off the things that can so tear us apart and tear us away from knowing that love. And when it's all, when that happens and the plant starts to grow, what is produced? How do we know we're in the roots of God's love? Well, he writes to the people in Galatians, he writes about the fruit of the Spirit, and that we know that from that love, and from that, we start to see in our lives joy and, and a peace that people go, how can you have peace when all this hard stuff's happening? Because I'm in the soil of God's love. Patience, and you just go, how do you have patience for that person and what they're doing? Because I'm in the soil of God's love. Kindness and goodness and faithfulness, because I'm in the soil of God's love. Self-control, that's a fruit of the Spirit. And man, you got that control. How? Because I'm in the soil of God's love. But we also know when roots are growing in a different soil. We know that there are times and that, that, that you're, you've been around sarcasm, sarcasm so much that that's what starts to grow in you. And you're just going, I've just become a sarcastic person. You spend so much time watching the news, whether it's Fox News or CNN, I don't care which, which news you watch, you watch enough of it. And all that's left is the cynicism that you get from it. You know, you know, you know how when you spend four hours a day on social media, which some of us do, you know, and you spent four hours comparing yourself to somebody else, frustrated that they have a better house than you, that they get to go on trips that you don't get to go on, that they have perfect kids and you have monsters, you know, <laughs> and you just go, why do they have such perfect kids? And all you're doing is it's envy envy of somebody else and what they've got. And those roots are going deep into this soil. What's it trying to absorb? And what's that doing to the plant? Will we know which soil we're in? No, we won't. We, we don't always know. I think we'll start to see, you know, when I was going through a season where just all kinds of things were going on in my life, man, I, I, I was coaching baseball and those poor kids, you know, they're t-ball and I'm getting on them for an error or something. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? And there was something else. And it, I think I could tell the, the roots were in the wrong soil. 
And I think we can tell that. We might not necessarily know from what's underneath the surface, but we can tell what's going on on the surface. And you just go, you know what? Those roots are in the wrong soil. And he's going, man, I pray that your roots would run deep into the soil of God's love where you will start to see it enrich who you are. And then, and then he says, he says, once because remember, see, all this stuff is building on each other. He says, if you recognize God's access to you and that we have access to him and he's dwelling in our hearts and flooding our hearts with his love, and that we let those roots run deep into the soil of his love, he says, then I pray that you may have the power to comprehend the incomprehensible with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. How weird is that? To know something you cannot know to know something that's beyond anything that you say in your head, well, I knew this and figured this out a long time ago. This goes beyond your knowledge. To know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That, you guys, is, is a journey of what we, a church word, a journey of discipleship. It's a journey that says, I, I want to go deep into the soil of that love because I want to know, I just want to even have, try to comprehend the breadth and the height and the width of God's love. This is why for me, I love going to the beach. Some of you love going to the mountains where you get to spend, some of you spend time with the Lord, the mountains, because you just see the majesty of the mountains. For me, it's the, it's the ocean. I go to the ocean and I can't help but just sit there and just look at the vastness of the ocean and I see the waves and I get fearful of the waves, but I look beyond the waves and I just go, my, look at how wide this is and as far as you can see. And when I sit there and say, and that's the love God has for me, that's the love he has for me. That's what Paul is praying that we would get to the point that we could just go, this surpasses anything I could possibly comprehend, and it's for me. I was talking to my friend Dave Palmer. He's the, he runs our college ministry um, in, in, uh, in Boulder, the same ministry that I ran for 14 years. And we were out having coffee, and we were talking about this. And, and he brought up a good point with it, and we just kind of processed through that, that really what Paul is trying to say with this is, is and, and hold on to this, there's, it's a paradigm shift. It's a, it's a change in the way we look at it. See, see the, the, the prevailing culture says it's all about me. The prevailing culture says it's about self. The prevailing culture says, says I just have to be evaluated on my success and my failure, and that's who I am. We live to the equation that says it's my performance plus what other people think of me, and that equals my self-worth. And so we lived, we've been living that since we were little kids. That's, that's what the culture says, that that's what we are. We live to that equation. Paul is saying something different. Paul actually specifically says, I want you to die to that equation. I want you to die to that equation. And what happens is if you let those roots run deep into the soil of God's love, you're going to discover something new. And that new, you're going to discover yourself. You're going to discover yourself in Christ, like Maurice talked about last week. 
You're going you're gonna, to, you, we die to that foolishness of that equation that we can never live up to and we're always disappointing ourselves with. And you go, you dive deep into the soil of God's love and it brings you to a place where you go, this is me. This is why you can't even say, okay, so just pray and read scripture more and, and then you're in the soil of God's love. Because if it's to that equation, we can pray and it just be, well, it's performance plus what God thinks of me equals my self-worth. Or, or I'll read scripture and it's my performance plus what God thinks of me reading scripture equals my self-worth. Or I talked about generosity earlier. It's what I give and God's going to love that and that equals my self-worth. And that's still all this. You're not getting anything. But this is why we say that's discipleship because you just go, I'm praying and I just want to dig deep into the soil of God's love. And I don't even know how to pray. I don't even know what to say, but I'm going to spend time in that because I have access to the Father and I want those roots to run deep. Man, I'm going to read scripture and I don't even know what scripture says. I don't know where to start. I started in Leviticus and I have no idea what it means. You shouldn't start there. So, you know, you start in the New Testament and, and you, just go, you, you start reading it. You're going, man, I get some of it. I don't get others. I fall asleep while I read it. I feel guilty about it. But I want to do it because I want to run deep into the soil of God's love, not because I'm trying to impress him. Generosity? Man, I don't want to do it under compulsion. God isn't like that. I want to do it because I want to surrender that part and let my roots run deep into the soil of God's love. And what kind of plant is grown from that? That's this prayer, you guys. That's what Paul wants for all of us. Do you realize that we have access to the Lord of the universe? Do you realize he has access to us and is flooding our hearts? Do you realize that as he floods our hearts with his, with his love, that our roots can run deep into that and that we can begin, just begin to comprehend the incomprehensible? A love that's beyond all of the depth and width and height of anything you can possibly imagine. That's his prayer for us. You guys, I want to challenge you today. When you're at home and your kids are having their worst day and they're just, you're just going, go to bed. And they finally go to bed and you've struggled with it. In that moment, Pray that prayer over them. Just stop and pray that prayer over them. If your wife, you cannot connect them with her very well and it's time for bed and she goes to bed and 15 minutes later you come up there and she's already sleeping, sawn logs and you're just going, all right, going to bed too then. Pray that prayer over her. When your husband or your friend or whoever you have close in your life, when you're seeing some of the edge of just kind of a cynicism or an anger, when you see that they're just so overwhelmed that that's all that's taken up their life and you're starting to sense, man, those roots, they're trying to find something to soak in and store, but they can't. Pray that prayer over them. That's what Paul's doing because he loves those, those people in Ephesus that much. Pray that prayer over each other because we love each other and we need to know 
how much God loves us. And we need to be praying that prayer. In fact, as the end, as I end this, I normally pray at the end of our ser- at the end of, my, of a sermon, but today I'm going to pray, but I'm going to pray this prayer, okay? I'm going to pray this prayer over us. Now, I'm going to bow on my knees to do it, and that's dangerous because my knees kill me, and I don't know if I can get up from it, but I'm going to try it. <laughs> For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with the power through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.